you've just got to be honest and trade on your word and make sure you're always telling the truth when you're dealing with these issues. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Grill City Center with my guest, Terry Cannon, president of the Texas Pipeline Association. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Paige. So before we go deeper into your current role, can you explain how you got started in the oil and gas industry? Most certainly. It's, I was never in the oil and gas industry. I was always in the governmental advocacy business, and I was a staffer at the legislature. So I was chief of staff for a state representative who was appointed to the House Committee on Energy Resources. He was vice chairman, and therefore we dealt with energy issues every single day. And that's where I became very interested in this topic. And Good. So what was it specifically that, that really, I guess, got you going? Well, being from rural Texas, originally growing up, I saw the impact of the oil field and how it allowed so many families around rural Texas to have jobs and a good quality of life. And so I just have always been around the oil and gas industry, and I've always noticed its economic impact for Texans and the state as a whole. So that's what got me very interested. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are right now? Certainly. I was a struggling college student and went to grad school, and then I just did a lot of odd and end jobs around the capital. Mm-hmm. And then finally caught my big break and got hired as a chief of staff for a state representative and then made my way to where I am now. Which we found out by uh, scheduling this that you actually know my husband, James, and y'all were acquainted at the, the Capitol as well. At the state Capitol, but both James and I still look as young as we did back then, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> just, just salt and pepper hair now, right? Exactly. <laughs> but that's because of the kids. Right. <laughs> Yeah, or me. I'm not really sure. So let's let's kind of talk about where you are now. You're president of the Texas Pipeline Association. Tell us about that. Sure. The Texas Pipeline Association is the only trade organization that I'm aware of in the country that solely deals with issues affecting intrastate pipelines. Texas has over 420,000 miles of pipelines in Texas, so I like to tell people we deserve our own association because there's so many miles of pipeline. The association was started back in, I think, 84 by my predecessor, Pat Nugent. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he started it in 1984, and he had five original members, I think. He did such a great job that, year, that the first year that the next year he had four members. But it, <laughs> but it continued to grow as, as, of course, oil and gas economy in Texas has always been the lifeline of the state of Texas. It's continued to grow. And now we have 48 member companies. No, let, let me stop you right there and back up. What is, can you tell us what intrastate means if maybe somebody in the audience doesn't know? Sure. Generally, it, you can look at it like this, like an interstate pipeline is a pipeline that crosses state borders. Okay. Intrastate means pipeline solely contained within the state, the borders of the state of Texas. Okay. So four members and then 
moving on, moving on. And the association grew. And to, to what I just said, it was, uh, we have now 48 member companies that all are in the business of transporting and transporting hydrocarbons and natural gas. Okay. So what have, are some of the major accomplishments you feel you've gotten out of being in the position you're in? Well, one of the one of the biggest accomplishments uh, I'm proud of our association for doing is we commissioned a study by Texas Tech University, mm-hmm. and it it's solely zeroed in on the midstream and the pipeline industry and its economic impact to the state of Texas. And it's a one-of-a-kind study that we had, and what it found was in one year, the snapshot they took was in 2013, mm-hmm. that the pipeline industry alone, not production, not Upstream, downstream, just the midstream industry contributed $33 billion alone in economic output for the state of Texas in that one year. Wow. And it contributed $1.5 billion in state and local taxes that year. Wow. In 2013. And the economic model that they used, it, it projected it all the way out to 2024. By 2024, 2024, it's projected that just the pipeline industry itself will contribute $374 billion in economic output. That's kind of hard to wrap your head around. It really is. And it sustains 171,000 jobs per year. Impressive, impressive. So what are some challenges you've had to face over these years? Well, there's always a couple of challenges. You've got your various other trade organizations, such as the environmental trade organizations that are always going to be somewhat anti-oil and gas, and they'll be questioning your environmental safety record, which the pipeline industry has a very good story to tell environmentally. They try to, you know, test your pipeline safety record, and there's no question that pipelines are the safest way to transport hydrocarbons in and around Makes the sense States. to me. Yeah. I was kind of digging into it, and it's uh, come to my attention that the the regulations over pipelines are and the program around that is is so great that the federal government's picked up on it. Sure, the Railroad Commission is the one that pretty much handles pipeline safety for the state of Texas, but they get that authority from the federal government from the Department of Transportation's division called FEMSA. Okay. I'm and not familiar with that. It's the Pipeline Hazardous Material Safety. Okay. The Railroad Commission is designated to handle all the pipeline safety for the state of Texas, but they get that from the Federal Department of Transportation's division called FEMSA. And what FEMSA stands for is the Pipelines and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. Okay. And they're the major regulatory body over all the pipelines in the U.S. Okay. Because they run out of state. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And there's just the federal government doesn't have enough people to inspect and do all the things that are contained in pipeline safety programs. So they designate to this. A lot of times they designate that to the states and our railroad commission does an excellent job. They definitely, those programs they definitely do. So how did, did Harvey affect y'all in any way because of the pipelines or I know you're, you're an association. I guess I'm really trying to grasp what the association does. Is it kind of, is it similar to API where you, submit recommended practices or anything like that, or you just team up with the Railroad Commission? And we advocate for industry in front of the legislature and the Railroad Commission and the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, the TCEQ. Okay. So did you come up with any problems after the Harvey situation and the logistics of? Overall, the our industry, I thought, performed excellent in light of that horrible, horrible hurricane. I guess, number one, there's a 
imperative advantage of being underground when a hurricane hits, so a lot it doesn't affect those types of facilities. What we found is in Mount Bellevue, where some of the storage leads to and where the pipelines deliver a lot of the liquids, some of those were backed up. We couldn't put product into those for just a short amount of time, but we were. But being that the pipelines are so integrated with one another, we were able to put product in one place or the other that wasn't affected by Harvey. So I thought they handled the situation extremely well. Yeah, and I, I, I believe I remember Commissioner Sitton having to address some rumors about the the, the fuel gas shor- shortage. Shortage, exactly. and uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a fuel shortage, and there wasn't a gasoline shortage. It was a probably more of a market shortage. Right. Well, and I I do also think there there were uh, trucks couldn't get to gas stations and, you know, logistics, basically. Exactly. A solution to get more trucks off the road is, of course, a pipeline. Because pipelines, like a moderate 20-inch pipeline can transport about 300,000 barrels of oil a day. And a typical truck can only do about 180 barrels per trip. So you just do the simple math that takes about 1,650 trucks, truck trips off a road per day and with one 20-inch pipeline. And we all know we don't need more trucks on the road, especially here in Houston. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's a relief. Okay. If you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? I would love to see our industry, that being upstream, midstream, and downstream, do a better job of educating the public on the benefits of our industry. Not only the economic impact it has, but the, or the amount of jobs that it has, but people need to be educated. I mean, when you go to turn on a light switch, where do you think that the power is coming from? Or the 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 plate of the light switch. Exactly, the plate or, or the exactly. The the actual plate was natural gas and petroleum products help make that. We just were talking about how many trucks are in Houston and how many cars are in Houston. All the gasoline in those cars flowed through a pipeline at one time. Yeah, and it's it's amazing people that are, are so against oil and gas don't realize that everything around them is, exactly. is from oil and gas. In fact, I came across a, I want to say it was a YouTube video about, I think it was natural gas gas something or another i think i follow them on twitter they were talking about how these stars these big hollywood stars want to talk about their how they're anti-fracking until they get into their you know huge jet to go pick up an environmentalist or live in a you know huge malibu mansion so no i absolutely i i'd have to agree with you 100 percent on that I think our industry has a very good story to tell, and we, our industry is doing a great job environmentally. We are reducing methane emissions in the air. From the pipeline industry, I know we spend over at least over a billion dollars per year on improving safety measures. These are, these are things that, that, we, that I think that industry, I would love for us to be able to better educate policymakers and the general public on how important oil and gas is to the state of Texas. Well, don't pipelines actually reduce CO2 emissions by how they're carried, by the, the fact they carry the emissions wherever they need to go? They're carrying from the wellhead to the processing plant to the refineries, et cetera, yes. So people need to know that. Exactly. All right. What book influenced you the most? I enjoyed The Big Rich, which is a story about four powerful oil and gas tycoons in the 
From the beginning, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've read but that one. It's a very entertaining book. It's been years since I read it. I probably need to pick it up again. Do you know who it's by? Again. I'm trying to think of the author now. That I'm sure whoever's listening I'm uh, is probably Googling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so anything inspire you about it? No, it's just a good history of some major oil and gas players in the state of Texas that that have done a lot for the state of Texas. What's your most used business tool? Probably a printer to print out sheets to go walk and help spread the story of oil and gas to policymakers at the legislature. And Yeah, because they work on paper, don't they? <laughs> a lot of times they do. <laughs> the old school way. It's funny because I get made fun of by a lot of the guys I work with that also have their shows because I like everything on paper. I just, you know, it, that's how I work. I'm, I'm regulatory or I used to be regulatory. So everything had to be submitted. Well, used to be submitted by paper. So that's what I'm used to. And your husband and I were at the Capitol where you have to have a piece of paper almost to walk into an office. Yeah, so. pretty much. Does it matter what the paper says? A lot of times it does. When you have staffers as good as your husband and I were, of course, we, we always read everything. That <laughs> I bet you he's going to listen to this episode <laughs> just to see. And I know, so this question is probably not applicable. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Competitor from an association? Association standpoint? point? Any, any way you want to answer that? Well, I, I mean, I can answer it. I mean, as far as direct competition is what we opened up this podcast with was we are, to my knowledge, the Texas Pipeline Association is the only trade association dealing with intrastate pipelines. So from a competitive standpoint, I don't see a lot of competition for that. But at the same time, I've got a ton of sister associations that that I highly respect and think the world of, such as Texoga, the Texas Oil and Gas Association. Mm -hmm. We've got TIPRO, the Texas Independent Producer and Royalty Owners Association. And we have such a symbiotic relationship that that we have to be on the same page 99% of the time. Right. Yeah, you have to make sure everybody is agreeing or disagreeing and trying to solve the problem. Exactly. I mean, you can produce all the oil or natural gas that you can dream about, but if you can't get it to market, which is what the, the pipeline industry does, then it's not going to do much good. Right. Makes and sense. if we don't have the product to carry. All right. Well, that makes complete sense <laughs> <Exactly>. to me. <laughs> What would you say is your most important lesson learned? Well, it's not really a lesson that I learned because I've always done it. But in the business of advocacy for this industry and for it, it, it crosses all industries. You've just got to be honest and trade on your word and make sure you're always telling the truth when you're dealing with these issues. And that's why I, I encourage education of the oil and gas industry and applaud your podcast because that's exactly what you're doing by this. You're getting the message out. Because we have a good story to tell. I think so, too. And I appreciate, I really appreciate that. That's really nice. Which actually leads me to my next question. What's your favorite podcast? Quite honestly, I'm this one. <laughs> <laughs> so the last person that said that was Mayor Turner. Sylvester Turner. He yes. Was, I very we, much respect the mayor. I, I As I worked with him for many, many years when he was in oh, the Oh, that's right. He, that, I completely forgot that he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Speaker Pro Tem for many, many sessions and just was a great, great advocate for his district well, and, and for the city of Houston as well. Now, he was there for a long time. He was. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, he 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 also said the same thing, and uh, we went. He just went into a giggle fit, and then so did I. And it it was it was definitely a, a good interview. That was actually the Thursday before the hurricane hit. It so. is hard not to giggle and smile and laugh when the mayor is around. That, that's what I hear. So then I felt I didn't feel so special. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very charismatic and just does a heck of a good job, not only for the city, but I, I watched most of his excellent work at the legislature, and he was a tireless advocate for his, the citizens of his district. Oh, yeah. He does a lot for the city. Okay, so now I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Girl. And congratulations to Chris H. If you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capitol Girl, and who wouldn't, right, Terry? Exactly. Visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast every week, enter your information, and listen to next week's show to see if your name is chosen. As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. If you're not familiar with Bulwark, they are the leader, not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing in the world. So after you sign up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. So thank you for traveling to Houston, Terry. I really appreciate you're you being You're very welcome, Paige. It is my pleasure. If people want to reach out to you or get to know more about the Texas Pipeline Association, how might they go about doing that? Absolutely. You can email me. You can email our association at Texas Pipeline Association at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can email me directly at turi.cannon at texaspipelines.com. And you can always call our office at 512-478-2871. Very good. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Because they, they might have trouble spelling my name, I'm sure. Well, and that's actually <laughs> how I figured out that you do my husband because I was like, Thur? He's like, Turry? <laughs> Turry Cannon? Oh my, you're interviewing Terry. That's awesome. So perfect. Yeah. So I'll have all that out there so people aren't driving and trying to do that at the same time, you know, since it's illegal to look at your phone in Texas anyway right now. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. <laughs> Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.